What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I am joined here today by Derek Tate. You can be found on Twitter at Derek Tate NFL. Derek, it has been a minute since just the two of us got to do a podcast together as we are now officially into the swing of Dynasty season. I thought that this was appropriate. How are you today, my friend? I would love to just say that it's Yates and Tate. I feel like there's some sort of play on words we could have. Yater and Tater in the morning. I feel I was thinking about that. Yater and Tater. There's something there. (laughs) We haven't ironed it out yet, though. Uh, But it's nice to say that if I I can just say Kyle, I know I'm only going to get one Kyle to respond. So I'm looking forward to it. Let's talk a little dynasty. Let's do it. So what we're going to do here on this episode, let's waste no time. Let's get right into it. We're going to talk about some dynasty stashes, some players that you need to be focusing in on here as we move into the 2024 offseason. Crazy that we are just one game, one game left on the season here uh, before we get into the full swing of the offseason. But some players that we want to be able to circle. We want to be able to say if they're out there on your waiver wire, if you can go scoop them up for dirt cheap right now, go do that and stash them because their situation could drastically change. Before we get into that, though, I thought it would be good to kind of just pause because there we've been getting messages. There are a ton of people that are like, how do I get into a dynasty league? I want to be able to play dynasty, all this sort of stuff. It's a completely different ball game. It, like there is a different level of strategy to this. So I wanted to talk a little bit of dynasty strategy here. So throw this to you first. What position do you prefer to build around in a dynasty startup draft? Let's say Superflex, we know that we're talking quarterbacks. You've got to sure. build around quarterbacks. My rule of thumb, it is a guide. It's not necessarily a hard and fast rule, but my guide is two quarterbacks within the first four rounds of a Superflex startup draft. But let's say in a one quarterback format, you've got your quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end all available to you. What position are you choosing to build around in a dynasty startup draft? So first off, in a st- dynasty startup draft, I want to move out of the first round and in particular in a one QB league, because if you're in a super flex league, you got to get your quarterbacks. Like if you trade too far out of the first and second round, no matter how many rookie picks you get in the future, you're going to be building your, the core of your quarterback team around lower tier guys. And you got to get really lucky. I believe in your startup drafts, probably four of your first five picks it's safer to build around the wide receiver position. I do want to get one cornerstone running back, though, to, to, to anchor the position. So I do put a, an increased value on someone like B. John Robinson or your Jameer Gibbs or your Brees Halls of the world. But the volatility of the position uh, does, and the long-term longevity, investing in that position heavily in the first five rounds feels like it could be just a riskier approach like you can play the market well but the safer way to build out your roster in what i would think most are ppr type leagues and in dynasty formats is to go with the wide receiver position um certainly uh, there is an increased premium now though with some really nice young tight ends that i think you can get if you can sneak one of those guys in there if i can get away with like three receivers one running back and one tight end through my first five rounds I feel pretty good about it. That would be my general strategy heading into it. Trade back, and if you can't, load up on wide receivers. Yeah, it's interesting to look at the running back landscape. You know, you mentioned the volatility of that position and how drastically things can change. Rewind a couple of years, we were talking about Najee Harris and Javante Williams and Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs all being at the top of Dynasty rankings. Those guys are nowhere near the top of Dynasty rankings anymore, as we've seen players like Bijan, Brees Hall, Jameer Gibbs. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's been a staple, but even... Jonathan Taylor, two years ago, coming off of just the dominant production that he had in that 2021 season. like, And Jonathan Taylor's taken a little bit of a, a slide down and hasn't been producing the same way. So the consistency that you can find at the wide receiver position and the, the longevity, too. I will say, 
you know, we talk about longevity and I think one of the common misnomers that we find across the board for people that are jumping into Dynasty for the first time is, well, I got to draft these super young players, these incoming rookies, because, you know, I'm going to have them for the next 10 years. I feel like that is the wrong approach to take into Dynasty and playing it for the first time. Do you agree with that? I I think that you got to strike the right balance and you got to feel out the draft. It, because if you're going to tell me guys like, you know, Amari Cooper and Devontae Adams or Keenan Allen, uh, maybe even Cooper Cup, those guys slip into like the sixth or seventh round. Are you really going to sit there and, and try to force yourself to take a, you know, rookie or a second year player that hasn't lived up to expectations like Jahan Dotson cough cough over some of those other you know proven veteran wide receivers yeah I, I don't believe that just investing in all young players while yeah sure maybe you have a, a sky high ceiling that could hit but you got to anticipate that you're just going to miss on a couple of these guys because the situations are so fluid the veteran wide receivers can provide stability at a lower discounted price so yeah I, I'm not an advocate of just flat out taking nothing but rookies or second year players I do think you got to kind of balance it out and just feel the board for what it is uh, because even those those receivers that yeah maybe they're at the tail end of their production but that is the argument, Yates, with the age cliff, the data right. that suggests the age cliff for running backs being around 27, 28 years old, even for the best of the best, generally tends to hit. Whereas the receivers, you can get production into you know your 30s, like you're 30, 31, 32 years old for, for some of those high quality veteran players we're seeing it with you know mike evans Devontae adams right. uh, stefan diggs being able to be have productive years heading into their early 30s yeah and i think the thing too is like you hear well i'm gonna have this player for the next 10 years and it's like first off you don't even know if your league is going to be still be going in 10 years let alone five right that, these dynasty the leagues are so are so volatile in and of themselves but i think a perfect case study to really kind of minimize that window and to sort of be thinking about how to approach your dynasty roster is within the two to three year window. That's how I play dynasties. I'm only looking two to three years ahead. And the perfect case study to exemplify that is Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster back in 2018 was coming off of a 166 target, 111 reception, 1,426 yard, uh, yard and seven touchdown season. He was widely viewed as the wide receiver one overall in dynasty leagues. Juju Smith-Schuster, <laughs> knowing what we know now, it seems ridiculous to go back and say that sentence, but he was widely viewed as the wide receiver one overall in dynasty formats. If you took Juju Smith-Schuster there and you had this perception of, I'm going to have him for the next 10 years, I'm going to get this dominant production. Guess what? We know what Juju Smith-Schuster is now at this point, that he is coming off of a 29 reception, 260 yard and one touchdown performance this past year in New England. Situations change drastically and they change at the drop of a hat here in the NFL. So that two to three year window is really where I like to stay. And that allows me to find value, like you said, feel out the board, find value at some of these veteran wide receiver positions and those veteran wide receivers that they're dropping down the board, but they're still going to be very productive for the next two to three years. While the rest of your league is chasing after youth, you're able to scoop up that value, especially in dynasty startup draft. It's so tempting, enticing, intriguing to try to build that young monster and just dominate your league for like 10 years. That's the vision that you have in your head. And a lot of times it doesn't play out like that. You got to have that balance and you got to have the flexibility too to be able to offload assets, which you can take veteran receivers. And yeah, maybe you're not getting, you know, 
the 106 for trading Mike Evans or something like that. But if you have that roster flexibility and balance, it allows you, if you're not having a season, a good season or you're, you're plagued by injuries or whatever happens, you're just getting bad matchups or whatever. It allows you the ability to be able to, to offload some assets and help kind of replenish the well and load up for the upcoming season if it doesn't go your way. But if you're too heavily balanced one way or the other, you know, you could be in a rebuild for the next 30, 40 years if dynasty leaks last that long, but you understand what I'm saying. That balance, that two, three year window, I'm 100% on board with it. It is all about finding that balance, and that is exactly what we're here to help you do here this offseason at PFN Fantasy. PFNFantasy.com, all the written content. We are cranking out dynasty rookie content, dynasty rankings, everything that you need to dominate your dynasty league here on top of everything here at the podcast. The NFL playoffs are drawing to a close soon, but there's still an opportunity to get involved in the action. ESPN Bet is live. Secure $250 in bonus bets by signing up with a link in the episode description and use the promo code PFN and you will instantly have $200 in bonus bets in your account plus another $50 within 24 hours. Must be physically present in one of the 17 states that legally have ESPN Bet for bonuses. 21 years or older and present in participating states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get into some dynasty stashes, some players here to scoop up off of that waiver wire for cheap right now and see how this situation plays out. Derek, I'm going to throw this to you first. Who's your first dynasty stash that you're looking to pick up? So hear me out. The Dallas Cowboys are keeping Mike McCarthy, right? And it was one of the most productive offenses in the National Football League this year. There was a running back that everybody was super high on, thought he was going to be a a top five producer. And the table was set. He was the leading ball carrier coming off of the best season of his career in 2022. Tony Pollard, he got the franchise tag last year. He underwhelmed. I don't think that there's a guarantee that Tony Pollard is going to be back in Dallas this year. Now, of course, it is a very, very rich free agent running back class. But that's why I believe Deuce Vaughn is going to be completely off people's radar at this very moment. He had a very limited slash no impact as a rookie, but he's going to be with the same coaching staff. I do believe that there's going to be a competition or some changes made at the running back position for the Dallas Cowboys heading into the 2024 season. It's a running back that I loved his tape, loved his talent coming out of Kansas State. Now, of course, he's an outlier when it comes to size. Is there ever going to be a role or a world where I see him as a league winner like Kyron Williams coming out of nowhere, being the you know leading ball carrier and leading the league in a, on a touches per game basis? Uh, no, I don't. I think he's going to have to work in tandem with somebody. But say they bring in Derrick Henry, is there a world where Deuce Vaughn is the lightning to Derrick Henry's thunder I could see that potentially being the case, but you're getting him at dirt cheap. He's probably on your waiver wire, or if you trade for him, someone's probably just willing to throw him in. So Deuce Vaughn is a guy that I would love to go ahead and stash heading into the 2024 offseason and see how it plays out there in Dallas. That is wild that the one player that you said as far as the situation that he could land with and you know be in tandem was Derrick Henry because that's exactly who I was about to ask you about once you were done talking. I feel like that Derrick Henry, the Dallas Cowboys going, they've already said like we're going all in for 2024. Like this is our year that we're going to compete here and we're tr- going to try to get over that hump. I think Derrick Henry is that player where you just bring him in and you load up. You're able to convert those opportunities in the red zone, which Tony Pollard at his size was not able to do. But we know Derrick Henry's limitations as a receiver and what he can do. Deuce Vaughn could easily be that spark plug, that change of pace. 
And listen, it's important too. We're talking about dynasty stashes. We are not talking about players that are instantly the Kyron Williamses of the world. That right. That is a complete outlier performance from Kyron <laughs> Williams. We are not going to find that every single year. And we are not going to come onto this podcast and tell you that every single player that we recommend here this next year or for, on this podcast is going to be a top five producer at their position this next season. That's not the case. There's different levels here but di the best dynasty rosters build depth they build valuable depth here for players that you can rotate through and i think deuce vaughn fills that fits that bill and he was someone that i was eyeing here as well so i love the call here deuce vaughn running back for the dallas cowboys right now really the only running back worth mentioning on the dallas cowboys roster going into 2024 for me, I'm going to go to, let's go to New York. Let's go Israel Abanacanda, the second-year running back out of Pittsburgh, landing with the New York Jets this past draft cycle. Now, minimal producer here this rookie season. 22 carries for 70 yards on the ground, just seven receptions for 43 yards through the air. Really, with Brees Hall handling the majority of the work here in this backfield, he did have Dalvin Cook on the roster as well. The opportunity for Abanacanda to work his way up the depth chart just simply was not there. However, we need to remember how much of a big time producer and big play threat this guy is at his unofficial, the unofficial time at Pitts pro day back in uh, leading into the 2023 NFL draft, Bannon a 4.27 40 yard dash. Guess what? That shows up on film. This guy is a big play threat, able to take the top off the defense here uh, in 2022. Abanacanda rumbled for 1,431 yards on 239 carries and 20 rushing touchdowns. The production is there. The ability is there for this guy. Right now, he's the number two running back on this roster. Dalvin Cook is in Baltimore now, and Brees yeah. Hall is the, the only guy that is going to be on this roster next year. I think that the, the number two running back path is there for Israel Banacanda going into this next year. And I don't necessarily see them going out and hunting in the free agent market. I don't see them necessarily investing highly at the position. This offense could look drastically different going into next year with Aaron Rodgers back, hopefully playing more than five snaps this next season. But I think the offense is going to be improved. That's going to lead to more opportunities here for the running backs. This is a guy that I think you can scoop up for absolutely dirt cheap right now. Stick him onto the, your bench and see how things play out here. What are your thoughts on a band of Canada going into 2024? So handcuff value, I, I'm all about Izzy. Get Izzy on your roster. Just let him sit there. I mean, I, do I, the carving out of the, you know, standalone value, I think a lot of that's going to depend on what type of impact Aaron Rodgers has on this offense, right? Uh, I, I do think Brees Hall is still going to be the, you know, obviously the alpha dog, right? And yep. we're not trying to sit here and debate that. Brees Hall is Brees Hall. But as a complimentary piece that can hit big plays, if this offensive line, if they can get this offensive line shored up, if they can get another complimentary number two to go alongside Garrett Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers gives us maybe not top five type of quarterback play, but if he's got one great season left in him, you know, and they generate a lot more scoring opportunities in, in soft boxes with, you know, not many eight-man fronts, Izzy Abanaconda is a home run hitter as a wide zone option who can yep. stick his foot in the ground and scream when he gets going downhill. I'm fine getting pieces of talented players like Izzy Abanaconda. I think that right now, I mean, he's on your waiver wire. Like even in these deep dynasty leagues, he is on your waiver wire because again, the minimal production here this season did next to nothing. But I think the arrow is pointing up here for him going into 2024 and beyond. Let's send it back to you. Dynasty stash number two. Speaking of close to nothing or next to nothing as far as production goes, there is a wide receiver in Cincinnati that 
coming off of his first season. He really didn't do a whole lot until he scored two touchdowns in the season finale, which probably, you know, wipes away most of his completely off-the-radar sleeper value. But I do believe he is still available probably in a lot of leagues in... I'm going to try to stash him wherever I can get him uh, is Andre Yoshivas. Now, you can make a case for Charlie Jones, too. I actually think Charlie Jones is a very nice wide receiver prospect. But the reason why is that I I think that there's a little bit more of a diverse skill set for Yoshivas. Obviously, we're not expecting an alpha target earner. Jamar Chase has got that on lock. But there is room if they don't bring back Tyler Boyd, whose contract is expired. Same thing for T. Higgins. Are they going to franchise him? Are they going to... be able to get an extension down when they have other players they need to to pay on this roster in a traditionally a front office that, you know, has tight books. I'm going to put it kindly. So I think that there's going to be room for another pass catcher to emerge and return wide receiver three ish value for the Cincinnati Bengals. And in particular, that ceiling could probably get even higher if we get MVP-type Joe Burrow play in 2024. So Yoshivas, out of Princeton, is my dynasty stash number two, Yates. What are your thoughts? (laughs) I I love it. And this is one of the things, like, I got my names in here first into the show, Doc, and you sent over yours, and I was like, dang it. Like, that is a fantastic call. Completely forgot about Yoshivas, and I love the call here. The talent level is there. And the skill set to be that wide receiver too and to feel not to do it to the same level. We're not calling Yoshivas and T. Higgins comparable talents, right? Sure. Like, but the ability to fill that role in this Cincinnati Bengals offense, we know that Joe Burrow can throw for more than 40 touchdowns on the year, right? We know that that ability is there for him when he is fully healthy and he's right. And it can't all go to Jamar Chase. So I think the ability here for Yoshivas to step into, this is the this is what they drafted him for. This is what they drafted him and Charlie Jones. So I do like you including him as well. When you have Tyler Boyd, when you have T. Higgins, both leaving here potentially in free agency this year, like for them to step into those roles, to get a year underneath their belt, to learn the system, then to be able to take a step forward. And we've seen the talent, we've seen it produce. We've seen him be able to contribute in the NFL it's one of those interesting things that, are, like you said, that recency bias for what Yoshivas did at the end of the season, I think is going to affect his his draft, or his, not his draft cost, but his acquisition cost here right. in Dynasty Leagues if he isn't still on your waiver wire, if you're playing in a shallower league. So that's the one wrinkle here, but still widely, widely available and absolutely worth mentioning here as a player to scoop up. I'm going to go back to the running back position here. I'm going to stay in New York, though. I'm going to go to the other team. I'm going to go New York Giants here. I'm going to go Eric Gray, second-year running back out of Oklahoma, played at Tennessee, played at Oklahoma here. Again, the theme of minimal production in their rookie seasons will continue here. 17 carries for 48 yards on the ground in his rookie season, seven targets, six receptions, 22 yards. Did next to nothing here this year with Saquon Barkley, with Matt Breida above him on the depth chart. Just really no opportunity for him to see significant work. However, as we look and we look into that crystal ball here for this offseason, it looks like Saquon Barkley is set to leave New York after playing on the franchise tag this year. I think he's going to go and play elsewhere. This offense was just in shambles this past year. And I really don't... it's hard to be able to look at that and hold that level or lack of production against Saquon Barkley. I think he wants just a fresh start, and I can't blame him here. But as we look at the depth chart going into 2024 and beyond, it's Gary Brightwell and Eric Gray are the only running backs on this roster going into next year. Now, do I think that they look at investing 
you know, day two draft capital or hunting around the lower end free agent market into someone to bring in and compete for, you know, the starting running back job in this in this offense. Absolutely. But Eric Gray, if he does not step into the starting running back role, he is a prolific pass catcher out of the backfield and an elite receiving threat that did not get utilized enough here this past year. But the production is there. 213 carries, 1,366 yards and 11 touchdowns on the ground in his senior year at Oklahoma but had 33 receptions in his final season, 99 total receptions through his four years in college. For context, that's the same exact amount as Christian McCaffrey had during his time at Stanford, was heavily utilized as a receiver out of the backfield, which you do not typically see for running backs out of the backfield in college. They just do not, are typically not involved that much as a receiver. The lead option in this backfield is up for grabs in 2024. If not, that he could very easily be the pass catching option here and a fine PPR depth option for you. What are your thoughts on Eric Gray? I like your stash more than my stash at the running back position. That's how I feel about it. Uh, no, the, the compelling case that you just laid out and grounded in a lot of logic that makes sense and a range of outcomes that I could see certainly coming into play. Because if they're not going to pay Saquon Barkley, then why in the world would they go out and pay market value for another running back? Right. Um, and you're starting to think this New York Giants offense now, granted, there's an entire offseason to play out, but they don't really have an alpha target earner. So is there a, a world where a, if Gray wins the, the starting gig that he has a reliable PPR floor and an offense that's devoid of, you know, true elite level talents out on the, out on the perimeter? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I wasn't like floored with him coming out of Oklahoma, but right. certainly a productive, capable back that if given an opportunity it, it can contribute to the passing game, which gives you that PPR floor. And I think he's capable of, of handling uh, plenty of carries and touches, uh, you know, if in an expanded role. Yeah, I think that's the thing, too, is that we're not saying that Eric Gray is this elite talent that is going to be able to instantly be a top 10 running back if he gets the opportunity. But we're looking for and trying to find the path for these players to see an expanded workload going into this next year and try to identify those situations feels like Eric Gray fits the bill there. Let's send it back to you. Dynasty stash number three. I really like this player coming out of Wake Forest. Uh, and he started to see a little bit of an expanded role as we got to the back half of the season. And that is A.T. Perry of the New Orleans Saints wide receiver and Look, he he fell all the way to the sixth round. Like, this is a guy who's 6'5", 205, and a fluid athlete and mover for a guy with that type of frame. A.T. Perry, I, I was surprised he didn't go. I thought he could have gone as early as, like, the third or the fourth, uh, possibly a two day two pick, and the Saints got him all the way in the sixth because of medical issues. But Michael Thomas, again, could not hold up, ends up going to IR, and his role – and snap count significantly expanded, actually scored four touchdowns on 12 receptions. So I believe he can be a red zone threat for this offense in particular. You know, I love Chris Olave's game, but I wouldn't say he's a dominant red zone option. I, I think that A.T. Perry can fit that bill and maybe, you know, carve out a really nice role you know, and they have one of the worst book situations in the entire yep. NFL. So I don't see them. I see them maybe making some decisions to, you know, 
free up some cap space and but i don't see them bringing in any you know high profile free agents at the wide receiver position because they just don't have the money so i could see them getting the flashes and the expanded role towards the end of the season and some of the flashes that we saw from at perry i could see him potentially having a case for being you know the third most targeted player behind chris Olave and alvin kamara and god forbid if they move on from alvin kamara you know I know, there's definitely a path where he could be see the second most targets if things fall right for A.T. Perry heading into 2024. That was the big thing as you were talking was the salary cap situation for New Orleans going into next year, right? They do not have the ability to go out and into a very talented wide receiver class in free agency to be able to go out there and swing for the fences, right? And I think that they have the pieces in place. Like Michael Thomas, I doubt he's back in New Orleans next year. So then you're looking at a wide receiver core of Chris Olave. Rashid Shahid's going to be there, still is that deep threat, and he's going to fill that valuable role, but he's not a target hog in this offense whatsoever. I think A.T. Perry is able to step in into that X receiver role and be able to occupy that. And he showed enough here over the back half of the year where New Orleans could say, yeah, we're confident going into next year with A.T. Perry in that role and not necessarily have to go out there. Now, the one thing that I will point back to you and just ask you on, like, you're doing a ton more work on this incoming draft class. You're a little bit ahead of the game as far as where I am right now. We've talked about how this wide receiver class is incredibly deep. So right. is there potential that New Orleans, even though they will not be able to go after a big name, you know, free agent wide receiver to take A.T. Perry's spot, is there potential that they could be looking at take, spending a day two, day three pick on a wide receiver here that could take that role? Absolutely. So that that's the, if, if you acquire A.T. Perry, what you're going to have to do is hold your breath through the entire NFL draft because it is a deep... D-E-E-P, in all caps, wide receiver group this year. So you are going to have to take that risk if you are if you give up anything significant for A.T. Perry, but I don't think you have to. I think he's more of a lottery ticket um, and a nice stash option. But, you know, the fact that he showed some glimpses, maybe a, a dynasty manager is a little apprehensive and wants you to pay closer to what his perceived ceiling may be, which makes him, you know, then you have to decide whether or not you want to give up that, those type of assets and take that type of risk uh, if they do invest high draft capital in the wide receiver position, which is possible. But, you know, if he gets through the NFL draft and they don't spend anything other than like a fifth or a sixth round pick on on another right. wide receiver, then, yeah, I think A.T. Perry's potentially lined up for uh, a sig- significantly expanded role in 2024. Well, with any of these players that we talk about, if they are not available on your dynasty waiver wire and you need to go be able to go acquire them for, you know, we're talking third round, fourth round rookie picks right. or whatever the case may be, PFN free trade analyzer here at pfnfantasy.com. Mm-hmm. The link for that is in your show description. We keep that up, updated constantly with the latest information here to make sure that you can stay ahead of the rest of your league. So make sure to check that out, put in some trade offers there and see what you could get for A.T. Perry. I'm going to go back to the wide receiver position. I'm going to go with Greg Dortch, uh, wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals here. I, we saw the production two seasons ago. We saw the flashes in him occupying that slot receiver role. But then this new coaching staff came in, this new system, and Dortch was essentially bumped down the depth chart, just did not get the opportunity. His snap, uh, he didn't see significant playing time until week 11. His snap count percentage went from 2%, which is what it was typically throughout the first 10 weeks of the season, to in week 10 to 75% in week 11. From weeks 11 through 17, Dorch averaged 10 full PPR points. Average, of that's what he was doing on a consistent basis. For context, here are some other players that were in that range from a fantasy points per game standpoint. Stefan Diggs with 9.4, Jordan Addison with 9.7, 
Dontavian Wicks with 10, Tyler Lockett with 9.1, and then Demario Douglas in New England with 9.2. Dortch was outproducing them or producing the same exact amount as a lot of those players, and we have significantly different views of Dontavian Wicks and Demario Douglas going into this next year than we do for Dortch. No one is thinking at all about Greg Dortch. But the reason why I wanted to mention him is because I think Rondale Moore is likely on his way out of town. If not being traded, being released here, he just he was running cardio this year. Averaged 60 67% of the snaps for Arizona and had just 40 receptions in 2023. Now I love the talent level of Rondale Moore, but I do not think it's working here for him in Arizona. I wouldn't be shocked to see him move this offseason. You look at next year, the wide receiver depth chart for Arizona. Marquise Brown, I think he's leaving in free agency. I think he's going to price his way out. So then you're looking at Michael Wilson and Greg Dortch. And if I'm making the forecast that Rondale Moore is going to be out of town, then there is a slot role here for Dortch to occupy in an offense that I think is just getting started. Like you've got Trey McBride. He's going to dominate targets, certainly. But that slot role for Dorch is there. Kyler Murray showing flashes in as he's working his way back from injury, right? Another full offseason in this new system to get that underneath him, to get fully back from injury. I think that the arrow is pointing up for Dorch, and I think that he is sitting out there on dynasty waiver wires everywhere, and he shouldn't be based on the production. Now, he has a capped ceiling. That's the thing to mention here, right? This is not like I'm saying that Greg Dortch is ever going to be a top 15 wide receiver. The potential is there for Yoshivash and E.T. Perry. Like if they, if starters above them, if Chris Olave goes down with an injury, if Jamar Chase goes down with an injury, that potential is there. I think Dortch has this cap ceiling, but in full PPR formats, again, we talked about this with Deuce Juan, building that depth is crucial and critical. So he is definitely a player that I'm looking to scoop up and stash here as we go into this offseason. Quick thoughts here on Greg Dortch. No, no, I, I, I'm, I'm on board with stashing him right now. The only thing that I think with Dorch that could destroy the expanded role heading into 2024. I, you know, I, I'm not worried if they bring back Marquis Hollywood Brown. I, I don't think that they are, and I'm not even worried if they do. But they do own the number four overall pick in the upcoming yep. 2024 NFL draft, which that could land you potentially Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, and probably definitely Malik Neighbors if he's there. So that's the only avenue where I get a little... I just if if I if I go out and acquire Greg Dortch, I'm you know fi- crossing my fingers that they don't invest at the wide receiver position at the four spot. Uh, but yeah, like the logic is there, and I do think that they're, they're going to have the turnover uh, at the wide receiver position heading into the off season. I'm on board with it. I. I just one. I, I just have a hard time imagining they're not going to yeah. go wide receiver at number four. But uh, even if they do, you know. Could he still be the number three slot player that is a consistent rotational player, even if they bring in Marvin Harrison Jr.? Sure. Like, there, there's that possibility. And then it's Mike Wilson uh, over at the X spot. So, yeah, I, I, Greg Dorch is a great stash. Yep, that was my one concern as well here that I, I'm very happy that you mentioned because I forgot to mention that. But yeah, the the potential that they do bring in Marvin Harrison Jr. or Malik Neighbors there with an early round pick or even go hunting into, uh, you know, in the second round or third round. You talk about the, the depth of this wide receiver class. There will be competition added to this backfield. I'm almost certain of it. But I think that you're still looking at him occupying that slot role, which we've seen him produce with with Kyler Murray in the past. So I think that that is still there for him to be, you know, operating around like a 17, 18% target share and with his ability to reel in those close to the line of scrimmage catches we're talking about a solid wide receiver three ppr option even if we do see marvin harrison jr or malik neighbors out of lsu added let's send it back to you number four and final dynasty stash i don't know if it's his name 
I don't know if I just really like his game and he's just made a couple of handful of plays whenever I, you know, am tuning into the Seattle Seahawks in 2023. I really liked Jake Bobo when I saw him on the football field. Like, call me crazy. It seemed like he he was open. It seemed like, you know, whenever the ball went his way, good things generally happened. I mean, yeah, he only saw 25 targets, caught 19 of them, though for 196 yards and, and a pair of scores. And that was in a a very, very crowded wide receiver room. And right. granted, that type of production isn't keeps him completely off the fantasy radar. And the fact that, you know, the depth chart is, is so deep there for Seattle means he is a complete stash because I can't project, um, you know, logically that he's going to see a huge and expanded role. The other guys that we've talked about at the wide receiver position, I, I have the vision for Seattle, Jake Bobo, not so much. But there's something to the player that if they do make any moves or if there is an injury, that I think that this kid can contribute and play um, in the Seattle passing attack. I saw enough from him as a rookie that made me go, I'm intrigued. So if he's on your waiver wire in your dynasty league, I'm okay stashing Jake Bobo, even though, yeah, you don't feel great about what his outlook is at this very moment heading into 2024, but Lockett's up there in age. DK Metcalf, we kind of understand what he is at this point. Very good X receiver. Uh, and certainly we expand, we expect Jackson Smith and Jigba to, to get better moving forward. But I just think that this kid can play and I'm okay stashing away guys that kind of popped on tape uh, because again, you're trying to invest in the talent right. and we're thinking long-term and, and if this kid continues to make the most of his opportunities, could he see more playing time in the future? Sure. Uh, and I'm, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a, take a stash swing for the fences uh, with Jake Bobo. Yeah. I like the call here because I think too, you're talking about, and I think we've done a, a nice job of presenting for different levels of dynasty leagues, right? You've got some players that have, you know, you're rostering 20 total players, right? You're 22 spots and you've got, you know, some shallower benches. Then you've got players that are playing dynasty that are, you know, playing the 30 man rosters and stuff like that. And it's a 12, 14 team league, right? Like just the amount of players that are quality players that are out there on your waiver wire are not exactly substantial. So I think mentioning someone like Jake Bobo, the path for him is a little bit trickier to see that getting right. there. Right. But I think the, the possibility of Tyler Lockett, 31 years old, he's slated to hit free agency in 2026. So still just two years down the road, but comes with massive cap numbers over the next two years. And that production was not there to this past year to justify keeping Tyler Lockett around at $26 million right. per year over the next two seasons. So I think that they could get creative. They could move on from Tyler Lockett here this next year. A new coaching staff too. They have no ties to Tyler Lockett as they come in. We don't know who the coaching staff is just yet here as we're recording this for Seattle, but that could be the situation where that opens up the opportunity and that wide receiver two, wide receiver three role for Jake Bobo to step in as the outside, you know, vertical threat opposite DK Metcalf. And that's the potential of how you can get someone like Bobo producing as a flex value and if not more. And on top of all that comes with the potential for great dynasty team names with his last name. <laughs> Jake Bobo. And also it's ridiculous too what he's doing going undrafted and running a four nine nine at the 
combine in the 40 yard dash like a 499 this guy should not be producing and passing the eye test the no. way that he was here this past year kind of the same way not to the same degree but the same level of why Pukunakua fell to where he did in the NFL draft placing a higher priority on what they're doing running the 40 yard dash in you know in the spandex and stuff like that versus what how they operate on the football field so Bobo I like to call here I'm going to wrap it up with Darnell Mooney here Wide receiver for the Chicago Bears, slated to hit free agency this year. I think that we need to remember what Darnell Mooney can do on the football field and how productive he can be. Back in 2021, Darnell Mooney had 140 targets, 81 receptions, 1,055 yards, and four touchdowns. Unfortunately, injury derailed the majority of his 22 campaign and wasn't able to bounce back in this offensive system under Luke Getze. We saw Luke Getze just fail to put players into the best situations to succeed and Mooney was just an afterthought here, just 71 receptions over the past two seasons combined. When he is able to open up and operate as a deep threat, we see the flashes. We know what he can do. The contested catchability, the ability to make catches outside of his frame. He can put some up some highlight reel catches and can be a great deep threat for an offense with his speed. Free agent going into 2024, likely going to sign a shorter deal to try and you know reset his market here. But I look at this teams that need this deep threat in their offense they need that ability to be able to stretch the field but they don't have a ton of cap space right they don't have necessarily or they don't need to go out there and really swing for the fences with a big name you know free agent signing so i you know i think darno mooney is going to be like a one-year eight million dollar deal like i don't think that he's going to cost you a ton teams like houston houston needs another wide receiver opposite nico collins tank dell operating in the slot right I, buffalo they're going to most likely move on from gabe davis they have a a really, really difficult cap situation. Someone like Darnell Mooney on a one-year $8 million deal makes a ton of sense. Cincinnati, if they don't feel confident mm -hmm. truly in Yoshivash or Charlie Jones to take that step forward, being able to pair Jamar Chase and Mooney on the outside would make a ton of sense here. So, and I think even though, even if he does stay in Chicago, which I think is, isn't going to be the case, Shane Waldron's now the offensive coordinator. And we just talked about the situation in Seattle where we've seen Shane Waldron turn DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett into great deep threats and utilizing, airing the ball deep downfield. I think Darno Mooney, the situation is pointing up right now. You can get him for next to nothing. Anyone who's had Mooney on their dynasty roster for the past two years is like, get him off my roster. He's done next to nothing here for me. Thanks to Luke Getze. So I think that we can look at an improved situation for him going into next year. I still think the talent level's there. I still think the opportunity is going to be there for Darnell Mooney. What do you think about Mooney? Here? He flashes. There, there's there's still times where I go, man, this kid can play. I, I believe the talent is there. Uh, of course, it didn't it didn't come together the last two years. And I mean, DJ Moore also had a big right. role to play in that. I mean, it just straight up came in and 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 rightfully so took the alpha target right away and ran with it and produced a great season, which just in the Bears passing offense just didn't leave enough room for another player to eat. And, you know, Mooney also didn't make the most of every single opportunity that he had in 2023. And, and I think that you're right. The dynasty shareholders of Mooney are probably have a, a bad taste left in their mouth. But it can change pretty quickly depending on where he lands uh, because I still think this kid can play and I think he could be a, do I think he's a number one for a team? No, but could he be a very productive number two? Maybe in New York jets, like alongside yeah. Garrett Wilson. I do. I think that there's the path where this, this man can have a bounce back season in 2024, uh, you know, landing spot pending. 
Yeah, one of my favorite strategies to deploy in Dynasty Leagues is to really take a, a look ahead to the in, the upcoming free agent class. And I'll start to do this in October, November. Like start to take a look ahead to these players that are going to be free agents. And I will just start to scoop up slowly but surely, just start to scoop up these players that could see their situations change. And not everyone's going to hit, right? You're, but if you can load up your bench with several of these types of players, and you're just throwing darts at the dartboard. And one of them, two of them, if they hit can flip your dynasty roster around very, very quickly versus holding on to some of those veteran players that are not going to see their situation change or they're going to be released, right? It, so I'm, I want to ask you a question because you know I'm assuming you play in a handful of dynasty leagues. I play in a handful of dynasty leagues. Um, when I try to do that, and now knowing, folks knowing that I you know do this for, yeah. for a living full time, they start to go, well, why, do, why does Derek want Darnell Mooney? Like, you know, <laughs> and I imagine they're thinking the same thing when you try to start scooping up guys that are coming off of bad seasons. Like, what does he know that I don't know? Okay, well, hold on. I'm going to drive the price up a little bit. Uh, but I, I don't know if you run into that. I've encountered it a couple times. Uh, yes, it is essentially how everything <laughs> runs and why the my favorite league, my league that I have with college buddies, like I can't. I can't get anyone to trade with me or I have to ridiculously overpay. Uh, whereas then also in industry leagues, like I'm in a league with Field Yates and Adam Rank and Mike Golick Jr. and fantastic people. And But no one trades. No one trades in that league whatsoever because everyone is so sharp and is thinking about the same things and is thinking through. So the trade opportunities and stuff like that is very, very minimal. So yes, that is absolutely a thing that happens. But that's why the free trade analyzer here at pfnfantasy.com yep. is so critical for you as you find that line of where what's a little bit too high what's a little bit too much to go over and when am i overpaying versus when is this a sweet deal so make sure to go over pfnfantasy.com all right that'll do it here for dynasty stashes episode make sure we've got the train analyzer that we just talked about but dynasty rookie rankings is available over at pfnfantasy.com derek's got his I mean, the list just keeps growing as far as the amount of players that you are scouting here and getting ready for this 2024 NFL draft. If you are sticking with us, you are going to be well prepared for your dynasty rookie draft coming up here later on this offseason. All right, that'll do it for Derek Tate. I'm Kyle Yates. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.